The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Book Club Show on Inspire 105.1 FM. My name is Imran Mahmoud and I am really excited about today's show. Um, and I think partly actually the reason for that is we have some glorious, glorious weather at the moment. Um, the sun is out, and um, which is always very good news. Um, and I think it's here to stay for at least the next few days, so also do make the most of it. However, if, like me, you might be suffering from hay fever, um, I know there's a bit of a downside to, to the summer. I developed hay fever in my 30s. I'm still getting used to it. Um, so, yeah, if you have any sort of, um, I don't know, natural remedies or any advice, that'd be fantastic. Please just send your messages into to the studio. I'd love to hear from you. Um, but, yes, yeah, so getting back to um, the book club show. So today I have a very, very special guest to talk about an excellent book, uh, which I had a pleasure of reading um, just recently. So the book is called The True Story of Jihad in Islamic History. So this is part one, which is the life of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And it is written by the wonderful um, Yasmin Watson. Um, and I'm going to do a very quick um introduction um to share some of um yasmin's experience etc and then i'm really really pleased to have um yasmin joining us to talk about the book um in our virtual studio because obviously we're still we're still not in the um studio but i'm looking forward to getting back there as well um so yasmin is half english and half american but has spent most of her life in the uk she has a BA in Religious Studies from King's College London, where she decided that Islam has the best answers to life's most important questions. 22 years ago, she took her shahada after meeting various Muslims and then met Sheikh Nazim al-Haqqani who took, um, and took Bayer with him. She has um, continually studied under her sheikh, and in particular, Sheikh Hisham Kabani, whose book, Fatwa on Jihad, was the inspiration for this book just published. Yasmin is also a child counsellor and passionate about mental health and well-being of women and children, and has been organising well-being retreats for the last seven years, and recently formed a CIC called Halima Musima for this purpose. She has four children, is a single mum, and lives near Henley on Thames in Oxfordshire. Um, so I'm really, really pleased to welcome Yasmin. Assalamualaikum, Yasmin. Waalaikum salam. Thank, thank, you. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. No, I was about to thank you first for taking out the time to, to join us this morning. And um, I guess we can really um, kick off in terms of, um, I know it's kind of your your, your little biography kind of uh, touched upon it, but what was the inspiration behind the book and then wanting to write it and, and share it with, with everybody? Well, 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 it was inspired by Sheikh Hisham Kabani's fat, fatwa, which he wrote in, wrote in his book entitled jihad which is here is called um jihad principles of leadership in war and peace and i would definitely recommend reading this book as well because it, it goes into a very good explanation and it's essential fatwa and, and i um this was written around a lot of the time other people of that time uh, you know other scholars uh, wrote about you know because everyone was so dismayed of the negative portrayal of Islam, you know, and this is all around the time of ISIS, which, mm-hmm. which was just so terrible, and um, you know, and also you know in the background as well there was this general idea which is propagated by the Orientalists about Islam that Islam being spread by the sword, mm-hmm. you know, and which is again completely inaccurate so i wanted to answer all these misrepresentations and write something that the young generation of muslims can be inspired by mm-hmm, absolutely and i mean it's a wonderful i guess intention to have and really really important because you know what you just touched upon the way islam has been portrayed i guess like what by wider society has really impacted um how it's perceived, but also us as Muslims as well, how we're, um, our own relationship, I guess, with the being, you know, all these things, I guess, have a, have an influence on it. Um, now, you, you mentioned, obviously, you came to Islam, um, you know, 20 years ago, so obviously, as an adult, um, so obviously, I guess your experience would be a little different to maybe Muslims have been born into, you know, Muslim families, for example. Um, it, I'd just be really interested to understand how you would have navigated that really because um i was trying to calculate it i was thinking that would have been maybe around the time of 9 11 and you know there would, must have been quite a few things going on and yeah how you maybe navigate that transition or that experience was like 
Yes, well, um, you know, well, 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 back at university, you know, like I studied older world religions, and I and I really thought, well, Islam is the best, and it and it has the truth, subhanAllah. And um, but then, and so once you become a Muslim, you have in many ways departed from mainstream society. So it doesn't particularly affect your faith when you hear negative things or things like 9-11 happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, of course, it's that sort of general society around you. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you've had that when, when, when like, non, non-Muslims might come up to you and say, oh, you know, have you read the news to today? You know, okay. <laughs> you're like, oh, here we go. And, you know, you feel like you have to go on a whole explanation of why Islam actually isn't violent and... And in a way, I'm not that good at that. I just thought, you know, what I want to put it this into a book, you know, nice and clear, so people can really understand that Islam is so peaceful at its heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and so it doesn't bother me so much about what society yeah, yeah, yeah. because when you when you found something that's true, you, you, you just you know just know it's true. And alhamdulillah, subhanallah, you know, Allah's give given me that sense of certainty about it. So. Yeah, you know, so you know, I just think, oh, it's aggravating. So I want to try and do something about it. I want to use my education yeah. to try and do something yeah. about like misunderstandings, which yeah. I just don't. I don't. I'm sure you don't like either. No one likes. <laughs> No, I know. It's like, no, no, I mean, it's really, really beautiful because um, I think you're right that there is that um, sense of being comfortable in your own self, firstly, and you know, if you're if you're able to conquer that and really um yeah it's that kind of self-acceptance in a way you know and you're right you can kind of maybe um battle off any kind of maybe negativity which is you know definitely which is really really important um so I was also thinking then, obviously, so the, the title of the book um is uh the true story of Islamic um oh god I've forgotten the name of the title I'm sorry it's got the true the true story of jihad in Islamic history sorry that's what it was um so now obviously like you said there, there, there's been a lot of um misrepresentation or misunderstanding around Islam but then obviously definitely particularly in terms of the word jihad um hence you know making this book really really important and and obviously maybe I didn't mention obviously it's it's aimed of course, it's for, for all readers, but I think it's particularly aimed at an age group. So, looking at teenagers, mm-hmm. is that right? Um, yeah. So, so why do you think maybe that particular age group was important for you to kind of, um, in terms of education and, 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 I guess, empowering them with this knowledge? Yeah, well, I think uh, particularly that age group has grown grown up with a lot of negative media around them and you know a lot of negative portrayal of islam and this is exactly the time you could be proud of your religion and not have some sort of shame come in from from like western media or or all of this and so you know to to educate the young people because of course it's very worrying when young people get radicalized go off and join isis and things like that and see wow there really is a need for education um for you know it's, yeah, yeah. So, because of course we actually see um, Muslims around the world who are committing crimes in the name of j- j- jihad have no understanding of what true jihad is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yes, we need to inform ourselves. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and I think you're you're absolutely right. You know the way it's been kind of co opted, and and obviously there's so many various like um, I think you know, factors at play when we look at, you know, radicalization and, and especially the way it's framed in, in this country. And, and we know, for example, you know, in, especially in a, in a Luton context, prevent and prevent duty and how this feeds into this narrative of, of actually securitization of, of young Muslims. So, you know, I completely understand what, what you're saying as well in terms of the, in terms of the risk. So do you think then, um, our own Muslim community specifically are maybe doing enough to, to kind of, I don't know whether it's right to say, you know, reclaim that term, but, but yeah, you know, better educate others, I guess, about it. Well, uh, well, I mean, I think that would be a wonderful thing because um, jihad is such a noble con- concept, which I think should be at the core of our, of our faith even, because the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he was, he was the most excellent um, example of implementing these, you know, these are four different main types of j- j- jihad. So you have the jihad of education and jihad of the tongue. So you have, um, you know, that sort of patiently explaining the religion, guiding others, um, writing, and, and, you know, education. You have jihad of society, which is, you know, 
Jihad of the Hand, which is like improving society. So, you know, all sorts of charity works, putting infrastructure in, um, you know, just making life good for everybody and providing food and all sorts of stuff. Um, And then you have Jihad of the Heart, which is so important as well. This is our spiritual journey to to Allah and, um, you know, perfection of the character. And then it's only in very... Uh, particular circumstances where jihad of the sword would would come into play and there's very very specific rules and boundaries around that Mm -hmm. and in fact there is no you you can't even declare jihad in this day and age because there's no khalif of the muslims so Mm -hmm. in a way there is actually no jihad of the sword so that's what sheikh hasham writes in his fatwa even though okay there is fighting going on there's no actual true Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, because the, the meaning of the word, word is to strive for excellence. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think any young per- person who has that in their heart, of course, Islam is striving for, for excellence. It is the most excellent religion. It's the most excellent of all things in all, all parts of life. And that's why jihad is a term that can be loved and embraced and understood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it's true because, and it's so important, I guess, to, to always focus on that definition, even though, of course, it's very fluid, but this idea of striving for, for excellence. And, and there's many ways to do that. And we know, obviously, from the example of the Prophet Sallam, it's, you know, through your morals, it's through your character, it's, you know, there, there's so many, um, but, but then, you know, coming back to what we were saying earlier, it's, it's like the fourth category of jihad sword, which is constantly being used and, and platformed. But actually, you know, yeah, like you said, it's actually part of a wider, a wider, you know, struggle. You know, because I think sometimes people use that term as well. Um, so, I mean, the, the the book that you've written is is really beautiful. Obviously, it's it's got the, it's really accessible. I think because it, it, you know, like I said, there's a particular age group that's aimed for you know looking at you know younger you know, younger teenagers or teenagers. But even as an adult, the fact that it has beautiful illustrations, it's got um, references, it's the you know the formatting, everything's really excellent. I think it just makes it so much easier to to kind of delve really deep into Islam, but in a way which you it's just very understandable. I don't know if that makes sense because I know there's sometimes there's books where they might be too wordy or they or they you get a sense of you know being a bit complicated almost so it was really nice and refreshing to to read um your book but could we have maybe a bit of just for the listeners the process of um you writing the book what was that like i mean it'd be nice to know if you have previous experience of of writing or where that creative side of you came from um but then yeah and then how you came to publish it it'd be sometimes nice to know what that process um is like well, yeah, of course. I mean, this is a very fun process from my my point of view. I see love making making things, making books. Yeah. And uh, well, well, the first book I wrote was um, Science in the Quran, which is um, mm. which again has lots of illustrations, very very easy to you know, very accessible. It's sort of aimed slightly younger. I would say it has some some Montessori you know, activities in it. Um, mm-hmm. And so that that's very interesting because you get all the latest scientific things and these beautiful ayats from Quran and how they and how they are talking about this futuristic science. So that, that was really exciting to, to do. So, so that was the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this one has been about four years of, of research, although, you know, like I work on it part part time, so it's not it's not a full-time job. You sort of fit it, fit it in around your, your other work. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but yes, I mean, first, there's a lot of reading and research. So you mm-hmm. have to make sure everything is 100% accurate, correct. And, and uh, just reading everything I could around it and listening as well to really good pod, pod, podcasts such as Islamic History Channel. I don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. of that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and there's a very good one about... Uh, the, the society in the time of the Prophet mm-hmm. by Sheikh Sheikh Ahmed Saad, mm-hmm. and you know I'm always listening to the sophets of the like Sheikh Sheikh Hisham Kamani. Yeah. So 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 there's a whole bunch of research, and then you kind of and then I have sort of ideas about okay, I want to make a big thing about what the battles actually happened. Mm. what was it like in those battles so I thought oh I'll write a little mini story within the book about about this young about this young lad who 
was the first time he was in battle and he was joining the, the, the Prophet and what it would have been like for him to, to be in those days of, of you, you know, the Prophet and going out there in battle and then fighting, uh, you know, the great battle of Badr and how, how amazing that that was and all the angels came and, and yeah, yeah. it was subhanAllah just amazing and then yeah. and then the battle of Uhud didn't go go quite as well. I think the Muslims got a little bit, you know, overconfident and it kind of so it sort of really talks about the feelings, the emotions of what yeah. what that kind of was like. Mm. Um and also I wanted to really, you know, I made a big thing of the rules of battle in Islam, just nice and clear, you know, there's absolutely none of this uh, mm -hmm. you know death by fire or committing suicide yes. right? like not absolutely yes. for, for yeah. you know you're not allowed that at all um yeah and so then you know and i sort of have in my mind the sort of what images would be there how 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 to illustrate it how to make it interesting and engaging mm. and and then it's a process you get your big uh sort of program up where you where you have all the pages and you do the whole look and then this takes a long time to get the sure. for, for, formatting perfect you, you, you know the the editing takes so long as well mm -hmm. um you know even when we thought we'd finished we handed it over to another editor and she found five 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 hundred corrections so oh, wow. <laughs> you, you think you, you think you've got them all but they're all they're still yeah, more yeah, there yeah, yeah. um yeah and then and then hannah hannah horak um Mm. Oh, Yaffe. She 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 did these wonderful illustrations, you know, mm. as well. So it's it's really fun 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 to work with her. She's she's been someone who I work very closely with as well. Also in the Hilima Musima, and um, yeah, and then sort of send, sending it off. It's yeah. um, I really enjoy putting it all together. The final P P P PDF. You send it off to the um, publishers, and Subhanallah, mm -hmm. when you get your final book in front of you, it's almost like a miracle sometimes, think, wow, how, how did that happen, Subhanallah, you know, so I feel, I feel just yeah, so yeah, blessed yeah. to be able to do it, yeah, and that only gives me the, the patience and the endurance to finish it as well, I'm someone who loves starting things, I find it harder to finish things, so okay. I really have to force myself, <laughs> well, Alhamdulillah, yeah, I really enjoy that whole process. That's amazing. And you're straight like a true creative there where, where we, yeah, I think sometimes it's very easy to get excited about things, but, you know, like you said, actually getting to the end and it's the labor of love and, and I guess seeing it all come to fruition is you know, really, really lovely. Um, you know, and, and it's great to hear actually the process because sometimes I think we just see as readers the finished product right we don't actually see all the, the work behind it and um and i guess i'm just really interested slightly you know um on, on a side note i guess from from the book itself but you know um i think it was mentioned obviously you're doing through your work um looking at well-being and using creativity and, and, and things like you know um those kind of avenues i guess mm. um from an islamic perspective i mean how important do you think that is because you know there is this um tendency i guess for, for us as you know as muslims or particularly you know certain communities where you want to go academically like you know i don't know typical like i mean stem subjects let's say and of course there's nothing wrong with that but mm. why do you think actually or how do you think these um um, avenues are just as important so whether you go into something a bit more creative or becoming a writer or you know all those things well I mean I think so much um, well like like uh, like when, when, when the Prophet Sallallahu he said you know follow, follow your natural inclinations and he would he would like to assign jobs to people who were who who liked and was good at those jobs so mm -hmm. he would he would see, oh, what is your character like? You know, I mean, if you enjoy that sort of thing, then, yeah, yeah. then uh, you know, and then like do this specific role. There was all these different roles in the time of the prophets or some, you know, a lot more. That was something really interesting I learned actually about how the different, all the different roles of people. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, if you're feeling creative, just follow, yeah. follow, follow your heart. I mean, that's what they say, isn't it? And yes. um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and sort of find find little mini courses of how to do things um yeah. and just write that poetry or whatever and sort of expressions of art i think is so i mean it's really been a part of islam as well i mean it's so much um beauty and in you know in architecture and design and 
painting and poetry, you know, so much, isn't there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, we literally, you know, our history, our heritage is so, so rich. And and actually, it's very wide. I think there's a perception that when you say the arts, that it's very specific of, you know, painting or or music. But actually, you know, if I guess it's how you perceive the world. I mean, we know that, you know, if Allah's created the world and there's beauty in it, there's signs, you know, there's signs around us. Um, Yeah, and I guess it's how you interact interact with that. But I love what you said. And and actually, I don't know if I... Realize that you know, in terms of professor, you know, yeah, assigning roles, and I guess, yeah, going with your natural inclination is a really lovely way of really thinking about you know um, the self, you know, which is really really lovely. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm also thinking then the the link. What, what is the direct link there with well being? And obviously, we know, especially mm-hmm. we've all gone through um, the pandemic, and obviously, it's still you know there's no such thing now as, as normal or going back to normal. Um, so what impact can that have on, on well-being? And, I, and I'm thinking specifically for parents and carers out there who might be listening, you know, for their children and, and how maybe we can support, yeah, support that in a way. Well, yeah, well, I mean, as an art, art therapist, um, we using the creative arts is such a wonderful way to relax, to, to, a de, to a de-stress, to just have some time of, fun and enjoyment and when things don't have to have an end result you know it's not a result you can just dive into your heart and find out whatever is there express it you know and children as well when they're you know given lots of art materials they're just given that freedom to make anything they want it doesn't have to be good it doesn't have to be amazing it could just be whatever they want to do just that Mm -hmm. sense of relaxation you know there's no pressure because because there's so much you know doing well at school and all that sort of stuff just so nice for kids to kick, kick back and just um, you know do whatever they would like and get outside and I don't know yeah making up a drama mm. doing doing whatever art or play that that they enjoy yeah um, and also for adults you know if you're feeling stressed you know coloring in and and just kind of I mean it's I mean as an art therapist as well if you if you just have a piece of paper in front of you and some bright colors and you close your eyes do your meditation Mm. and just sort of allow a picture to come Mm. you know this this can be anything just shapes colors textures and then you might look at it and think oh gosh this is meaningful this is really how my heart is feeling and what is going on here there seems to be a really dark patch there or something so you Mm. sort of can then tune into that think oh god that is i'm actually feeling very sad about something and then you can Mm. you know you can sort of explore that a bit and and draw it out and it's such a good way because a lot of our trauma our sadness is actually stored in the right hemisphere of our brain Mm. and so if we if we then do art and stuff, which is also in the right side of our brain, we're much more likely to access proper, mm. proper he- he- healing in through it rather than just sort of thinking about our problems, you know, which doesn't tend yeah. to be very effective. We tend to go in circles. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, sometimes it's just much better to get it out there. On yeah, yeah, paper yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, really that. yeah, no, that's really interesting. And, and um, I mean, I, I, for example, I tend to, I, I write sometimes I, I, I do a bit of poetry and but it's funny so I was in a supermarket the other day and um they were just selling some watercolor pencil I don't even know what they were and I looked at them and thought, oh god they had and I actually bought it I haven't even used them so but it was a step it was a step of me saying actually I'd like to try it and actually now that you've said that I think um that's a really good starting point because it's like you said nothing it's not that kind of results driven you could literally sit there and and just do doodles or just do a bit of coloring and and i think yeah you're right and i think the freedom and liberty that comes with that and and again yeah you know in terms of like children and young people they are so um everything's compartmentalized for them isn't it because of their schooling and then there might be madrasa and you know but this idea of yeah just having their me time and, and being able to be creative yeah i mean i think that's fantastic advice and, and really important so you know, thank you for sharing that um so obviously we are talking um today um about um your book the true story of jihad in islamic history um so is there a particular reason i mean i think we've got a couple of minutes before we go to the break about a minute or so so just really quickly that you know this is part one so this is the life of the prophet muhammad um so why was that specifically the starting point 
Well, I think everything starts with the Prophet Muhammad. So even our whole universe start, started with him. Even the, the holy creation, they said that the light of the Prophet started, was the first thing that Allah created. So one alone, yeah. I don't know, his light it just permeates everything. So I think, of course, he is the, the uh, starting point. Yeah. And, um, and, so, and I think, of course, we're going to find out about our religion through the life of the Prophet. So it actually has to start there. And, and, and his examples were just so amazing. Yeah. SubhanAllah, the way he lived his life just does yeah. not cease to amaze me. His, his yeah. endless gen- generosity, so he's just so compassionate and kind. And even the way he treated any prisoners of war he would send them back even when mm. even when a ransom was demanded you know if the family didn't have any money he would send them back anyway mm. he just didn't have that sort of a nasty bone in his body you know he was, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was absolutely an nice example of perfection yeah, absolutely. No, no, I definitely agree. And yeah, it's a beautiful um, way to, I think, I think, kind of delve into it. We are headed to our break, um, so you can grab yourself some tea or biscuits, and we will see you shortly. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. This is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to the book club show on Inspire 105.1 FM. My name is Imrana Mahmood and today we have um, a lovely guest um, with us, um, Yasmin Watson, and we are talking about her beautiful book, The True Story of Jihad in Islamic History. Um, And in the first half of the show, we were talking a little bit about what the meaning of jihad is, this concept of striving for excellence, um, the fact that there actually are four different types of um, jihad. Um, and we also kind of touched upon the negative um, portrayal, I think, of, of Islam and specifically the term jihad as well and how we can, um, I guess, unpick that, reclaim it and better educate others um, about it too. Um, so I am joined by um, Yasmin um, and we I'm just going to welcome Yasmin back. So alaikum. Um, so I thought what we really did was just to, we touched upon the facts um, in the first half of the show that obviously you are a counsellor, you um, um, are, are an art therapist, and through all of that work, um, you formed um, an organisation called Halima Muslim Wellbeing and Retreats. Um, so could we have a little more information about what that is, what you offer? You know, yeah, so if there's anyone any listeners who are interested in in taking that time out and then you know for that self-development and um yeah yeah well well because the intention around that was was to have um you know a service that that would really help muslim women and children because i think a lot of them suffer quite quite a lot in in various different ways Mm -hmm. and so you know we we have you know we started doing retreats quite a while ago so we've sort of we go on and organize very low low uh low cost and easy to access so i always felt a retreat shouldn't be this huge luxury thing only for the very wealthy it -hmm. should be really for people who really need a time out and break from their life you know and so and so we were organizing that mostly going down to spain which is very nice Mm -hmm. um and then also well after you know training to be an art therapist we've put a lot more things in now so we have um courses online we have um parenting Mm -hmm. courses we have courses for sisters to come and do some art art therapy mm-hmm. um and they're all quite cheap they're all inexpensive um we just really want everyone to access them you know as much as possible and um and also we offer therapy as well which is going to be in feltham uh, mm-hmm. as well as around where i live in henley on thames so yeah inshallah so we're really and like also do things for for children and and workshops activities classes you know online to learn about emotional well-being and stuff like that yeah yeah yeah. so yeah so it's been really exciting that's brilliant i mean there's there's a lot on offer which is which is great and and i guess you know i have a a question around you know we're talking about well-being and you mentioned um you know therapy and we've said that obviously you're a counselor um now, I, I know from conversations, there sometimes seems to be a bit of stigma, maybe attached to the idea of needing counselling or needing therapy. And, you know, how, I mean, how would you kind of explain 
actually why that's important and and it's it's okay to 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 want and i mean i'm gonna say help but it's maybe even more than help it's it's kind of support isn't it i I guess Mm. well i mean if i mean this life can have so many trials so many hardships so many trials people go through so much and sometimes it gets really overwhelming and it's absolutely this is how because allah has put us here on the trials of earth you know and and sometimes we really need that um that support for a little while and and uh i mean it's like almost going to a doctor you know we go and have a check up make sure our physical body is is all right and we might want to go and um you know if we're finding we're a bit low or a bit overwhelmed or stuff like that then again we can go for you know for a mental health check checkup and and our, and the journey of going through therapy is such an enjoyable one and it's like you become closer to how Allah wants you to be you know Allah doesn't want us to be depressed or mm-hmm. sad or too angry and can't deal with things you know he wants us to reach our full potential mm-hmm. you know that's and, and be close to his compassion and mercy and so we have that compassion and mercy on ourselves and sometimes it's very hard to be compassionate and mercy mm-hmm. merciful mm-hmm. on ourselves we can be very self-judgmental and all sorts of things so I think um, it, it's absolutely almost an essential part of this, you know, and we're living in the last days. It's even more difficult now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and we should take those resources when they're out there. Mm, and, yeah, uh, and, and, and I know in my own recovery and healing journey as well, um, mm. when I, you know, I thought some, some counseling, it, it helped me hugely. Mm. And it was the absolutely essential part of my recovery. And I felt that Allah, Allah put them in there to help so you know Allah Allah provides the means it's not like you're supposed to do everything on your own you know and it's like sometimes he puts very special people there um to help you through difficult times yeah 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 no and it's a really um lovely way of if I think thinking about things so despite maybe that taboo that is out there i think you're right because it's that spiritual nourishment it definitely would come under that you know just like if there is an ailment we go to the doctor there's no it's not any different and and i think you've kind of encapsulated that you know really really well um so yeah so hopefully you know it's fantastic like you said you've gone through um some of the things that you you offer in terms of the the well-being retreats and and the therapy and the counseling and you know it's i think the more maybe we are able to talk about it and you know in, in a positive light you know hopefully more people can can access that so you know thank you so much for, for sharing that um so i guess um if we come back to obviously um your wonderful book um and talk a little bit about so you, you spoke about the inspiration behind it um obviously the fact that you know it's sheikh hasham of gabani who you've taken um you know the kind of teachings from as well um now there's a section in the book for example you talk about um, women's rights um you talk about the concept of slavery in, in islam as well and it kind of just made me think as i was reading it we know you know there's the recent kind of movement in terms of the me too movement um you know black lives matter and all these things are kind of fighting misogyny fighting racism um and that can i think as parents and carers that can be quite a lot for us and i'm thinking your book is aimed at you know teenagers and and young people what is the best way to educate our children in kind of that current social political climate you know if, if that makes sense well um I mean, I think it's it's you know it's going back to our dean all the time. You know, the 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 prophet saw some. He uh, he was the first person to. Um, well, I mean, Islam was the first religion to give women their rights mm-hmm. and and slave rights when they had no rights at all. Mm-hmm. And to oh, I don't know, just to be to yeah. be there and and like look to religion and feel and feel self confident within yourself. So he, so when injustice does incur does occur then we can use we can implement jihad of the tongue for for instance and mm-hmm. and like petition the mp or spread awareness about an issue mm-hmm. um start start a campaign you know mm-hmm. these these mm-hmm. are all things that you know that we can and we should you know we do live in a society even though there is racism and stuff like that and misogyny going along we still in a society where we can speak up and we're not mm-hmm. going to be uh, carted off to prison or something so mm-hmm. you know alhamdulillah then we have those opportunities so yeah this is where 
jihad of the tongue would really come come in i think and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and add that self-confidence so yes you know don't don't kind of even there's always going to be people who are negative around around us yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. how do we respond to them is the question i think yeah yeah that's right and, and you're right it's it's about having the, the confidence and and also you know we, we are commanded to to you know stand up for justice and i think as long as we know we're doing that then inshallah you know that the support will come and um inshallah. you know and i guess it's that community spirit as well isn't it it's about you know having others maybe like-minded and, and you know mm. that it's values driven in a way isn't it um and i guess that's what's really nice about you know the the book as well because you've you've um kind of incorporated the concept of jihad you know by talking about the prophet as an example um and yeah you kind of transporting the reader to those different times the fact that it is it is like a basira because you do talk about the different battle, battles and you know different examples of, of what the prophet did and, and, and how he i guess conducted himself so that you know that is really really helpful as well um i mean it, it kind of in the same vein of, of the conversation that we're we're having and you know we, we touched upon obviously well-being as well um i guess that i know there's one uh challenge at the moment where uh, i mean i love reading i actually love reading i try to instill that in my children as well but nowadays obviously we have the um distraction of social media and gaming and always wanting to be online and, and kind of plugged in um is there anything around that that you can maybe uh, you know i guess advise on or you know but specifically to reading how do we bring our children back to reading or the love of reading so and to regulate i guess the, the online world as well well, um, yeah, I think it is a real cha- challenge now is the parents are, are really, it, it's a huge challenge. Um, kids these days are raised on iPads and stuff like that. And um, I just think to put serious boundaries around it, like actually not allowing children um, under the age of, you know, eight or nine, ten, even mm-hmm. to have an iPad, just mm-hmm. to be kind of strict around it because in the teenage years it's only going to get worse and they're going to be glued to these things you know um and so so having boundaries it's not easy to put in boundaries yeah. at all so that's a, that, that's a whole thing in itself yeah, yeah. Um, and, and i think you know encouraging uh, children's self, self-expression and getting interesting books you know in front of them like having only very specific times when they can watch the tel- te- television for instance and the rest of the time they have to find something else to do and if they have a good range of interesting books to to, to read and going to libraries, um, going to museums, going to places of interest and stim- simulating their sense of wonder of the world, you know, and yeah. again, in a non-pressurized way, not here, right, we're going to learn X, Y, Z, you know, yeah. it's kind of just more in a sort of fun discovery way. Yeah. But, and I, I think ch- children really love that, you know. And, um, you know, doing sports and stuff like that's very healthy for them as well, because it seems like teenagers who have a good, good sporting interest tend to stay away from, you know, they're not so addicted to the gaming and everything like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, things, things like and the sort of sense of, and also I think developing a sense of well-being and self-confidence within the ch- children is yeah. so important so that, say, if they're on social media, they don't get overwhelmed with, with all this stuff you can start feeling really bad about yourself and comparing yourself you want them to be self-confident themselves enough that they're not going to be affected yeah all this negative stuff and also be informed enough to make the right choices yeah yeah because also there's a lot of danger out there i mean parents need to be really aware of um putting the safeguards in when it comes to um your internet provider you can put in all the parental controls and Mm -hmm. i think that is absolutely essential and to be aware of children not really letting them have devices you know in their bedrooms especially if you're slightly worried that they might access inappropriate content Mm. stuff like that so it's it's been really vigilant about it i think Mm. we can't rest on this because shaitan is one of his favorite ways of getting at our kids so may Allah protect us all and protect our you know our children Mm. i mean yeah 
I mean, absolutely. And yeah, no, definitely. I think what you've said about boundaries is, is important. I mean, to me, so I, I asked about children. I'm thinking about my <laughs> myself and I'm going to place boundaries of myself because, you know, we're also transitioning into a generation of not having it and suddenly having this access and, and how, yeah, we, we are good role models, I guess, for, for our children. Um, but no, that's that's really good advice. And, and actually, you know, you, you spoke about the parenting. I mean, I had the pleasure of, of doing the parenting course that you were offering and, and all of these things were kind of included in that, you know, which is which is really really helpful and it does i think what what it helps especially connecting to other parents is we are going through similar struggles and you know it's the idea of it takes a village and and i think just connecting with each other is is a really yeah it's just really important and and powerful in itself so no no that's really you know fantastic and and i guess you know it's leading on from that then you know if we are then able to cultivate you know that kind of um positive environment in the home um you mentioned now in 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 the book as well about um the cuff or have i pronounced that correctly because i wasn't sure i hadn't come across the term actually myself so um which basically means contemplation um so why is that you know important that taking that time i guess to to pause especially in an age like we've just said that there are like many distractions Yes, well, I mean, Dunya has about a million one distractions, definitely. <laughs> and and so I suppose we just, um, you know, the taka for the, the, you know, the contemplation is that time where we spend just in quiet remembrance with Allah and, and to have time in the day where we dedicate, where we switch everything off, where we're just quiet. And um, in Imam Ghazali, Allah bless him. He he um, recommended having a schedule for 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 the day to plan out your day and definitely include times like that. So yeah, you have these times where we can be completely quiet and with Allah. Because I mean, this is all part of jihad of the heart. So it's kind of taking stock of ourselves. You know, we need to audit ourselves. We need to audit our actions mm-hmm. so that we can, you know, we can find and ask Allah for guidance to be the best that we can be, ask forgiveness and stuff and, you know, and ask his guidance. Um, yeah, so I think it's uh, that, you know, because they say, you know, because for Allah, you know, you remember the, the Hadith where, um, you, you know, where, you know, were this, were this world worth a wing of mosquito in the sight of Allah, he would not have given the disbeliever a drink of water thereof. Mm-hmm. Which, it's like, you know, the dunya is not worth more than a wing of a mosquito to Allah. So mm-hmm. it's like how much we're focusing all our time on the dunya, and then it's like come to back to the heart, come back to our spiritual journey to Allah. Mm-hmm. And that is the most. That is the priority. That is the ultimate. That is our reason, I believe, of being here on earth. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And the dunya. Yeah. So if we if we are worrying about our connection with Allah, then the dunya will worry about itself. Yeah. You know, yeah. we don't need to worry about it too, too much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's very easy to forget that sometimes, isn't it? Because, um, yeah, like you said, the, the dunya is a distraction and, and it's there. Yeah, and our focus goes so much on that. And the jihad of the heart, I guess, is so, so important, you know, for that very reason. And, um, you know, when you mention taking time out for that contemplation, I mean, would you say so that's kind of in addition, obviously, because we have our you know, five daily prayers, inshallah, that, you know, we, we read. But I guess this is kind of going a little bit beyond that, where you're just taking, you know, time. It could be thicker, or I guess it wouldn't even... I and mean, what does that look like, I guess, for, for you, you know, or, or how would you explain it? Well, I mean, part, part of our uh, practices is that, you know, we have a thicker to do every day, which, mm-hmm. which might take an hour or half an hour or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, different repetitions of all his names, Mm-hmm. Um, and also we'll have the connection that we do within our heart um, and so that can just be very quiet, really calming mm-hmm. the whole system down so we can listen, you know, we can hear Allah's inspirations or inspirations mm-hmm. from our shaykh or mm-hmm. from the Prophet so we want to be we want to be open and present for that, otherwise we can miss it so yeah. unless we like really quiet ourselves down, we're not going to be able to hear yeah. So, and then if you do that before a prayer, then how then how much better the prayer is? Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's very good advice because I know that there's um 
yeah, it was very easy to even get distracted within the prayer. And, you know, what you said about, you know, being present and, of course, in the prayer, but I guess in all moments in our life, the more present we are, yeah, we're, we're in touch with ourselves, which obviously means then we're, we have that connection or greater connection to Allah, which is, and itself can be kind of transforming, isn't it? You, you kind of transcend the, the base things, which is what the dunya is, you know, which you kind of touched upon. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because actually it's quite simple, to, you know, to you're just taking saying to pause and just take a few minutes even before prayer and but we're just rushing rushing i mean i say we i'm talking about myself <laughs> you know so yeah. it's um but you know it's yeah no no definitely that's that's really lovely i think to to kind of um uh yeah to, to focus on and, and work on as well um so um you know in terms of then at the moment, you know, for example, I'm, I can't remember who it is that, that, that said this, but this idea that we live in a world of iPads and iPhones and the focus on the uh, the focus of the I, you know, like the me, me, me kind of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in a so if we're in a society that's kind of promoting that individualism almost, like to look out for your own self and, and those type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you talk about this in the book, obviously, then there's the jihad of the self, really. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we then push back you know against what we're being told by society yeah well i mean in 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 a sense actually you know jihad of the heart starts with the self so Mm. it's kind of like because because we need to take stock of ourselves our actions and like say if we have been acting in a selfish way which has been imposed on us by, by society and encouraged then then we can audit ourselves and um and so, but then, so when we, when we ask for Allah's guidance and to not leave it until the next life. Yeah. Um, and then because because if we find peace within ourselves, then peace will be in our homes and then peace will be in all our society. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole nature of the spiritual journey is to go from individualism to universal. So we're, we're connected to everyone. You know, we're not so, we are no longer just an individual ego I. This is the normal ego state, isn't it? Like it's mm-hmm. I, I, I. And then if and then if we are on a spiritual journey, we can begin to expand out and feel connected to everybody. So it's it's then we, you know, it's it's part of the whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in a way, yeah, and then we become more aware of this whole imposition of our society to be individualistic. And then mm-hmm. and I think our, our thinking naturally then changes. You know, you don't want to do something just for yourself anymore, just egotistical, um, yes. you know, in terms of, I know, you want to give out more money or you become more generous or you, or you do more for society or you do something for everybody. So I think it's a natural progression yeah yeah absolutely that can happen and, and i think that's that's the whole spiritual thing really mm, yeah, yeah that, realizing we are really selfish and yeah being like okay yeah. <laughs> no exactly yeah. i know which is part i think sometimes maybe that is part of the um the challenge because we have to acknowledge that you know and yeah. in order to, to do the work so um no definitely i think there's there's something there and, and especially again you know that the, the age where you know people talk about spirituality as this kind of really i don't know what term to use but because there's an absence of of the divine in it sometimes so it becomes i mean in my opinion it feels a bit superficial of course it will work for some people and that's absolutely fine but but i think that's the beauty of islam the fact that we do have that connection to the divine and everything feels like it has a purpose so you know um yeah which i think is it does give you an amazing feeling actually once you're you know, I guess developing understanding of that. Um, now, obviously, we we've um, talked about some of your obviously inspiration um, behind your writing, and obviously the book, the true story of jihad in Islamic history. And we mentioned that this book at the moment is is part one, which is um, focusing on the life of the Prophet Muhammad Um So, just to kind of wrap up, you know, the the, the show, we've got. I think a couple of minutes. Um, where I'm assuming there's obviously other parts because this is part one. So it'd be really nice to to know about those and and also where um, people can actually purchase um, the book as well. Where's kind of the best outlet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that'd be really nice. Yeah, well, well, um, you know, like originally it was going to be one book. It was going to be one book and and uh, covering the whole of Islamic history, like an overview. And it turned too massive, basically. So, and also, it was getting hard to finish 
the the last section so i thought so we all thought yeah inshallah we'll just do it in parts so we start with the prophet muhammad and then the next book will be about the rashidun khalifs um sayyidina abu bakr siddiq sayyidina umar uthman and ali may allah bless them all um and and sort of how they were able to uh you know can can continue what the Prophet brought. Um, there were so many rebels going on. There was so much that they had to deal with. And their kind of story of, of how, subhanAllah, they, they uh, did all that. And they're amazing characters. And their jihad of the hand is so exceptional, mm-hmm. especially in the time of Sidina Umar, may Allah bless him. Yes. Um, you know, his sense of justice was so huge. And um, subhanAllah, so, so, so that goes through there. And then, and then we we sort of have more of an overview. So you have the Abbasids, the Umayyads, um, the Ottoman empires, and and then it and then it does touch on the rise of extremism in modern times, you know, as well. So to kind of have this overview and sort of yeah, look at those different times in history and and the things that they brought and the you know and the ups and the downs as well. Not like putting a gloss over it. There is a lot of downs, I think, as well. So it's kind of but but giving but like a sort of a realistic overview, so someone can be informed and 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 talk about the history of it because it, it's really in the, only in the time of the prophets or some of the rightly guided caliphs that they were. You would say, oh, this is the proper. Yeah, yeah, yeah,看看着，所以我们，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对